Net-a-Porter presents The Incredible Women Podcast, Series 5, The Rule Breakers. How's New York today? It's good. It's like summer. Um, it's pretty warm. I think we're just, we're finally getting the good weather here. So we've been very patient oh, yeah. waiting for it. I'm Kay Barron, fashion director at Net-a-Porter, and I'm thrilled to be joined by fashion designer Grace Ling. Undoubtedly, the name to know right now, she has built a cult following, including a host of A-list fans, and this season joins Netaporte as part of the Vanguard program, where we support brilliant emerging talent. The brand is described as having an eccentric elegance and intelligent femininity, so think sharp classic tailoring that has been subtly and sensually subverted. But Grace is one of our chosen rule breakers, not just for her unique aesthetic, but also for the way her garments are produced using 3D technology as a means to create zero waste and ensure the brand is as sustainable as possible. Although I will let her explain how that works, as I'm sure I will not do it justice. Welcome, Grace. I am delighted that you're joining me. Thank you. <laughs> it's, it's, so good to, it's so good to see you as well, actually. And uh, as I was saying, you look glorious. I think no one, no one wears your pieces better than you. First of all, I wanted to talk about the word rule breaker because we clearly consider you to be one but what does that mean to you and do you consider yourself to be one? I think I definitely do consider myself to be a rule breaker. For me rule breaking would be an alternate perspective. It would be like a spectrum not constrained within a box or um, not specifically categorized. And have you always felt like that in in the work that you've done? Yeah I think so. Sometimes I have trouble uh, trying to categorize something. Like I, could, I can't decide if something is a bag or a jewelry um, in that regards. So yeah, definitely, I think so. You've said before that you're mindful to take the sustainable route wherever possible. What does the word sustainable mean to you? And, and how do you approach it? Because a lot of people use the word sustainable, but it's almost kind of lost its meaning in a way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I kind of see sustainability as a design process. It's not, you know, sometimes it's not necessarily an end product. Like, like for example, like blatantly, you know, like Apple leather and then it like disintegrates in your closet or something. But um, I, it's, it's a design process and I just try to... Um, like minimize waste. Like sometimes it's just obvious, like when there's so much packaging or like, um, you know, when you make so much samples and then you throw it out or you dump it in a PR closet, like it just looks like there's a lot of waste. You know, like sometimes it's just obvious, but definitely, um, you know, like in the pieces, if there's any way we could uh, cut down on the materials, uh, you know, like definitely, of course, we would, go that route or you know like we could pick up scraps from the floor and just you know like make something unique out of it yeah and talking about the 3d technology can you explain how that works and how that reduces waste like for example with 3d printing you print the exact amount of materials needed so it's like 3d printing itself is like a zero waste technique like our bags the 3d printed aluminum and aluminum is also one of the few metals that's infinitely recyclable. These softwares, they allow you to create like these shapes and forms and both very organic and biomorphic, but also very mathematically and precise. So um, with 3D technology, there's a lot of ways to use it. Um, it could be used as 
uh, a CGI. So it could be used to, you know, like generate styles. Um, like for example, you could you can make a style and you can see it um, in its real form without having to actually make it. So you don't waste, you don't spend any materials. Like you save time, energy, money. You can make like a lot of iterations of it. Because, you know, sometimes it's like you make things and you don't like it and you just throw it away and it's just such a waste. So when you started your brand, was that the plan from the start? And do you see that as the future of design? I've always wanted my own brand. Uh, I think at first I was just, I just wanted to learn about 3D printing and all that stuff, just like, just because I thought it was cool. But um, I, I got really into it and it just naturally became like, what I choose to design. It just became my process. You must be quite scientifically minded as well then. I love, you know, like science fiction. I love um, dystopian films. Like if in another world where I'm not a fashion designer, I'll be a neurologist and a psychologist. You talk about how you like to experiment with the way that you produce pieces. And obviously we're seeing some tremendous examples of that, but have there been failures along the line as well? I think, yeah, it's definitely, I think um, also with like the nature of just running a business, there's a lot of ups and downs. And of course, you know, like all the ups that like posted on Instagram. Um, I think there's definitely, um, I, I wouldn't call them like mistakes or failures, but more like process. Um, there's definitely, you know, sometimes I spend like three days on a jacket. I'm just like, it's just not working. It's like, it's just ugly. It, it just doesn't work. Um, and I think sometimes, like, the best pieces, uh, they just come out of nowhere, like, just spontaneous. For example, um, the, the skirt that JLo wore, honestly, like, because that skirt has been so popular and literally, like, all the celebrities are, like, asking for this, like, one specific look. And um, honestly, like, I wasn't even going to make that look that... For that look, I finished the entire collection and I'm like done. And I decided to just like whip out something in like five minutes. And um, yeah, so I think there's a lot of, um, it's like the process of designing and creating. Are you quite a patient person? I think I'm very, I'm very patient in my work. I'm not sure if I'm super patient in life. And are there different technologies that you'd like to experiment with going forward? I think, um, you know, there's definitely the NFT realm. I think um, it's interesting. Uh, we're actually working on uh, like uh, an NFT right now. But also I think, you know, like with, you know, like the CGI and the technology and all that sometimes, I think it's interesting because I think, in, for example, in NFT clothing, I don't think... I don't think it's clothing. I think it's more of like, um, you're not really buying clothing. You're buying an experience. You're buying exclusivity. Um, you're buying something else that's not necessarily fashion. So, um, but yeah, you know, I definitely want to experiment with like collaborations within the area. Because I think it's just, it's fashion in a different form, isn't it? And, and I think it's so different from what we know fashion to be that it takes a long time to get your head around how that will actually kind of infiltrate day-to-day -day life. And the brand is still, is still quite young, mm -hmm. but then already you've made these kind of, you know, huge leaps in technology that's, that's, which bigger and more established brands still haven't managed to do. But how would you describe your brand? You mentioned it in the introduction. I think that's the best way to say it, eccentric elegance and intelligent femininity. I think it's definitely... 
it's sexy in a way that is empowering and modern, and um, it's designed for a soul with a witty spirit. Are you that soul with a witty spirit? <laughs> I think so. I mean, I would like to think. I would like to think that. Yeah. I mean, I think you must be because I'm completely obsessed with your accessories. Um, I can see that you have one of those amazing bags on the on the table in front of you. And also, I love the mesh handbag that's actually shaped like a hand. Where does that character come from? I think it does come from like me as a person, and I I want to create like I wanted to create these accessories as a conversation starter. I just like the idea of an accessory br- bringing joy to someone, and um, you know, like you could just like start a conversation with someone because I I feel like I'm actually kind of a shy person myself, and um. But, you know, like when I'm carrying one of these bags, like I carried uh, the butt bag and I walked down Soho and literally like nine out of 10 people were asking me about the bag. And I think it's just nice to like laugh about it, have a conversation and um, you get like unexpected occurrences. That's such a perfect word, unexpected, because that's exactly what they are. Um, and I love the idea that that fashion can break down barriers and can immediately start conversations with people. Um, and there is nothing better than somebody approaching you in the street and asking you where something's from. That thrill, that thrill never leaves me when somebody asks me where something's from and that just makes your day. Mm-hmm. So amazing for them as well when they realize that you've designed it. Sometimes I just, you know, I just like, I don't say them I'm the designer. I just like tell them where to get it. I like never introduce myself. Sometimes I, um, I say I designed it. But yeah, it's, it's kind of fun to do that. <laughs> I think because there's the the wit and the character in what you do, but also, as you said earlier, there's a sexiness to it. And I think that for a while, fashion lost a sex appeal and everything became very kind of like um, sort of almost rigid. But I feel like it's definitely found sex again. And your designs are incredibly sexy. But what does actually the word sexy mean to you? And is it a way that you would actually describe your work to people? Yeah, I think I, I do... Um... I do use the word sexy to describe the work. Sexy to me, it's a form of empowerment. In the pieces, they're very um, they're very sophisticated. They're still sexy and it's like sexy in a form of intelligence. When someone wears the clothing, they're sexy for themselves and not for someone else. Yeah, because I think it's 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 that word of it being subverted too, isn't it? Because I think everything does look there's a there's something revealing about it, but it's not showy mm-hmm. in a way, for want of a better word. Um, and also, you've you've had the most incredible, strong, and powerful woman wearing it too. Yeah, yeah. Um, including Jennifer Lopez, who obviously everyone's completely obsessed with, and um, she looks so incredible in it. But how did it feel to have her as an early champion and how did that come about? Her stylists are amazing, uh, Rob and Mariel. So um, they slid it into my DMs on Instagram. So then JLo wore, um, she wore a black ensemble for I think the New York Times shoot. And then she liked it so much, she got a custom one in white and uh, she wore it again for the Jimmy Fallon Tonight Show. I feel really honor to have uh, J-Lo as, you know, an early champion, obviously. Yeah, like you said, she's just such a strong woman. You can tell that she's been through a lot, but she just, you know, like handles everything with grace and 
obviously very charming, very charismatic, and obviously, you know, like super talented. And um, yeah, I think it was like surreal to see it on her. I mean, you must always feel, it must always feel a bit surreal when you see people wearing your clothes. Do you ever think that you will relax about it? I don't know if I'll ever get used to it. I mean, I, I, sometimes I feel like I'm still processing like um, all of it. You know, like I grew up listening to like Dance on the Floor and, you know, I grew up watching like Victoria's Secret too when I was a kid and obviously Carly Claus was in it. And I mean, it's just surreal that these people are like wearing my clothes now. Yeah, no, I don't think I ever get used to it. I think it's nice to not get used to it. Oh, no, I mean, it must be yeah, what an amazing feeling. <laughs> if you're enjoying this episode, please check out more great conversations from our four previous Incredible Women series. To thank listeners, we're offering first-time customers 10% off their first net a order. Just enter the code RULEBREAKERS at the checkout. T's and C's and exclusions apply. But you are, I think, the perfect ambassador for your work. But how how do you wear it? And do you design it for your own personal style? I think I definitely do design it for my own personal style, but not just my personal style. Like there, there's definitely some pieces that I would personally wear it more than others. But also I, I do design like a, a variety and a variations to like appeal to like a, a bigger audience. I think I always knew that um, I wanted my own label, but I think the the aesthetic is um, is an evolution from you know like discovery, um, influences, research, like trial and error. I don't think I ever expected the aesthetic, but somewhere like when when I saw it, I just knew it, you know. But um, because, you know, I've been wanting I've been wanting to have my own brand for like, I think, five years now. So like, I think over five years, like the amount of research, the amount of like um, trial and error, draping, I think it's like a journey of like finding your aesthetic. And I'm really proud of what it is now, but I don't think I ever expected it. What have been the influences in your work? Um, so I'm inspired by a lot of uh, dystopian films and a lot of filmmaking like Wes Anderson I love a dystopian film. Which which ones? Like the Stanley Kubrick films, Brazil, 1987, uh, even like Westworld, season one. I like that you're very specific. It's season one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brave New World, the book, George Orwell. Just, you know, I love, I just love a lot of science fiction. Because it's almost a little bit of a kind of uniform edge to what you do as well. Yeah, yeah. I like this idea of... Um, you know, like order in a society. And I like this, um, I like the irony of order and like structure and like social commentary, but also in like a very subtle way, like it's being expressed through like visual aesthetic. You you can't necessarily like tell it at the same time. And I think I incorporate that into like the way I shoot the fashion film for the presentation. Well, I think with fashion film as well, you almost have more freedom than you do if it's just a a traditional fashion show. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, I love the creative direction. I love the plot. Like, it has to have a start and an end. And both the beginning and end has to be really good. And, you know, like, kind of just, like, figure out the in-between. And I'm really showcasing your own world as well. The own, you know, your own soundtrack, uh, everything, which I think is is really difficult to do 
in a room full of people with models walking up and down. So mm-hmm. I feel it's it's so exciting that you're experimenting in different ways, not only in the way that you're producing the fashion, but also in how you're showing it to people as well. Previously, before you launched your brand, you worked for the likes of Tom Brown and The Row. What did you learn from, from working with powerhouses like that? I think I learned, um, like, obviously, they're very talented people there. Um, I think I learned to really make something that's of high quality. And also, I think, like, the most I got out of it was, like, a sense of community. Like, people who are able to, like, communicate with each other with their creative vision is, like, a different language, I would say. I think I was very inspired by, like, a sense of community. I think also they do have back to that idea of of uniform. I mean, especially Tom Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very much kind of uniform aesthetic in a different way. Mm-hmm. But also, but also the row. I think you could always tell if somebody's wearing the row because there's such a specific look to it. Yeah. Um, and there is a a kind of an order in a different way. But where does where does your love for fashion design stem from? Has it been was it from an early age that you knew that this is what you wanted to do? At an early age, I was I was doing like sculpture, performance art, um, like visual arts, and and then I started making like this wearable clothing, and um, that's that's when I decided that you know like fashion is definitely what I want to do. Yeah, I think it it comes from like my love of art, and I f- like for me, I feel like if you can wear art, is even better than art, if that makes sense. Yeah. And also, I think um, it's like nice to like run a business with it. I think for me, because I love art, but for me, fashion is like the is the perfect balance between art and business. You've been both um, a model. You started modeling at 16 and an actor. I mean, I want to talk about both of those. But first of all, I want to obviously talk about I know it was a small part, but still. The small part in Crazy Rich Asians, which is a film I'm completely obsessed with. Um, so how how did that happen, and how was that? What was that experience like? During that time, I was modeling. Um, I was I was doing like a fashion, and I was also doing events, and also um, I was doing some like advertising back in Singapore. And um, so I was freelancing with a couple of agencies, and one of them does like film and like TV ads and movies and so um the director was working with the agency to um cast for crazy rich agents and um yeah so I just submitted my com card like I'm interested and yeah so I I got the role (laughs) I mean you're basically part of a cultural phenomenon (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean the show it was like an all Asian cast in like 25 years or something in Hollywood yeah, something like that. <laughs> Which is just insane, isn't it? Um, and and such a, a huge hit too. Um, I'm going to watch it again, and I'm going to look out for you. <laughs> you're the you're, you're you're I know you're a bridesmaid, aren't you? Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to find it. Um, and how did the modelling um, side come about? And how because I was thinking about this in terms of your aesthetic and the way that you cut your clothes. How did did modeling affect the way that you feel about your body, and does that have an an influence on your design aesthetic? I think um, I think when I was modeling, I I you know I went to love casting, and I think with like any job, you know like 
you go for an audition or you go for casting, you get rejected a lot. Like it's just part of the job or it's just part of progress or part of life in general. <laughs> but um, I think like, I think what, what I gain from that is that, you know, sometimes you don't get something, not because um, there's like something wrong with you, but it's just, it's not the right fit. And I think that's with like anything. I feel like with like the cuts of the clothing and like how the body is being portrayed, I think I, I think a lot about um, how the body is, is being portrayed, you know, like where I want to put the cutouts, um, the silhouette, like the shoulders. The clothes are meant for you to feel sexy for yourself and not necessarily for others or like not necessarily like a male gaze. It's for yourself to, you know, you feel sexy and you're charismatic and you're empowered and, you know, you're like a strong modern woman. Well, I think it's um, it's so important to promote um, body confidence. Yeah. For generations, people have kind of hidden their bodies rather than you know, thought that they can, they can reveal it. And, you know, obviously every, everybody is beautiful. And that's the thing it's, is, as you were saying in modeling, it's not, it's not personal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as soon as you realize that and, you know, and know that, then it's actually incredibly freeing. Yeah. There's a, a freedom in, in your designs as well that I, I personally cannot wait to, to try. And it's, it's just incredible to see it on so many different women as well, who do wear your, your pieces already. So obviously you you've modeled and then um you did a bit of acting and also having the confidence to have your own brand but you you said earlier you mentioned earlier that you are actually quite a shy person. Mm-hmm. So how have you broken down those barriers and got over that shyness or have you got over that shyness? I think I I still don't get over it. Sometimes I hide it like when I'm in a social situation I'm just like all right get over whatever you're feeling just just do this. I think because I, I think I'm I'm very shy personally as a person, but I'm very confident in my work. So um, I think professionally, maybe I'm not shy um, in that way. Like you know, like if it's like a modeling job, then you know, like you gotta have the confidence. I think I'm more shy in social situations where I don't have like a professional task. So like if I'm, if, you know, like I, I'm in a business meeting, then I'm not shy. But if I'm, you know, just like hanging out, couple of friends, chilling, some drinks, I think I can be shy. It's because you don't have your work tools with you. It's almost, I think sometimes if you're in that work, if you're in that work mode, you're almost kind of like protected by your, it's another role in a way. Oh, yeah. Um, whereas, yeah, when you're in a social, if, if you're just with friends or in a bigger group, then all defenses are down. It's interesting that you said it. I never thought about it that way. But now that you said it, I'm like, that's very interesting. Like, it's like, yeah, I guess the work is, you know, like a form of um, empowerment. What do you have planned for the future of your brand? Are you somebody who plans ahead? I plan ahead, you know, like vaguely in my head. But I'm also someone who like lives in the moment and adapt to change depending on where it's going. But Definitely um, the future of the brand. I definitely want to expand into a home section. I just love interior design and I love furnitures and also menswear in like the further future. I mean, I can imagine what your home pieces would look like. And I mean, already that is uh, 
That's something that I will encourage you to do. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> based, based, anything based on the accessories that you already do, um, I think your homeware would be definitely a win. Um, and then talking back to, obviously, this is the Rule Breaker um, podcast. Um, what's a rule that you've never lived by? And what's a rule you wish you'd felt you'd be able to break when you were younger? I think that's like, that's a tough question. Because I, I don't, I always feel like I don't live by all the rules. When someone presents me with a set of rules, like literally my first thought is like, how do I break it? You know, I think, um, I think I just have like this tendency. I just like the idea of, okay, not necessarily like breaking the rules, but what the rule means and why, why is it there for? I don't like to, you know, I'm not very by the book. Like I wouldn't do something by the book just because it has to make sense for me. And it has to, um, well, there has to be like a, a logic or a rationale, like not just because it's a rule. I think that's probably quite a good, um, a good way to live your life in general. And who is the rule breaker or a person who challenges the status quo who has inspired you the most? I mean, I feel like this is like a, Maybe it's like a predictable answer, but I think my mom, she is like, she's like the most stubborn person I've ever met, but she, um, she just, you know, she just does things on her own. I think I was probably influenced by her a lot where she would, you know, she asks a lot of questions. She has like her own approach to doing things. And I think that naturally just you know, breaks their rules because, you know, sometimes rules are just like, it's like a formality or it's just, um, my mom just always, um, she's trying to find like new ways to like problem solve, alternative to approach things. And I think naturally I became that way too. We are totally thrilled to have you on Netaporty as well. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Welcome to the family. Thank you. The Rule Breakers was brought to you by Netaporte and Chalk and Blade. Hosted by Netaporte's content director Alice Casely Hayford and fashion director Kay Barron. The team at Netaporte was Katie Barrington as the senior editor, with casting by Annabelle Brog and Olivia Wakefield, and coordination by Erin Shanahan. The producer at Chalk and Blade was Fatuma Keira, and the managing producer was Laura Hyde. Original music by Alexis Adamora, and the series was mixed by Nasson De Silva. Enter the code RULEBREAKERS at the checkout for 10% off your first Net-A-Porte order. T's and C's and exclusions apply. To make sure you hear all the episodes, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information, go to netaporte.com. <laughs>